Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. The Biden administration has asked the Supreme Court to allow Mifepristone, commonly known as the abortion pill, to remain available as the courts consider the legality of the pill. My guest, Michael New, is assistant professor of practice at the Bush School of Medicine, or excuse me, Bush School of Business at the Catholic University of America. He's an associate scholar at the Charlotte Luzier Institute and a Paige Comstock Cunningham Fellow at Americans United for Life. And he's been writing on the, this topic, a recent piece over at National Review, uh, Mainstream Media Understate Dangers of Chemical Abortion Drugs. Michael, good to have you here again. Uh, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Let's talk, what is the legal status now? Uh, people are kind of confused. They don't know if this is a go for the pill or if it's going to require a final uh, Supreme Court decision. Well, probably ultimately the Supreme Court is going to decide the ultimate legality. That right now you have kind of dueling federal court rulings. You know, what happened was we had a district court judge a week or so ago who ruled that the FDA's approval of the chemical abortion pill um, you know, should be revoked, uh, that that approval uh, happened illegally. Uh, he waited seven days, gave it, you know, seven days to that decision to be enforced because he knew there would be an appeal. Uh, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals reviewed that decision, and they kind of upheld it in part and rejected his argument in part. They did uh, essentially put in some new regulations. Uh, basically, the FDA has made, you know, access to chemical abortion pills much more permissive. Um, you know, now you can, they can be consumed from, you know, 10 weeks gestation instead of seven weeks. It's possible for non-physicians to administer them. It's possible for uh, women to obtain chemical, chemical abortion pills without an in-person medical exam. All that's been revoked. So they did put some regulations back in place. You know, women can no longer eat these pills online. They have to see a physician in person. They can only be taken within seven weeks gestation. So, again, some of the rules have been brought back in. Uh, I think the ultimate decision about the legality of chemical abortion pills will come down to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So let me make sure, correct me if I'm wrong on this, okay? The FDA approval was for use of the drug up to seven weeks gestation. Mm -hmm. It required three in-person office visits. Is that still required? I believe so. I think that changed in 2016, and I think that the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision kind of put back in place the requirements that were in place as of 2016. Got okay, got it. So uh, these uh, the, under this older regime, the uh, mifepristone would be administered first. Uh, that basically kills uh, the unborn, and then uh, misoprostol is administered, and that gives the cramping in order to push uh, the child out, the dead child out, and make sure the abortion is, quote, complete. Uh, And then I guess there has to be another visit to make sure that the abortion has been complete. Uh, What do you think is going on within the medical establishment on this? Is there ambiguity about the safety uh, of these? Well, I think there's a lot of ambiguity. Uh, I think that, you know, the other side is trying to put on a real full-court press to make the case that, you know, the chemical abortion pill regimen is safe. And I think that, you know, a close look at the research really shows something different. I mean, we have comprehensive studies using California Medicaid data. We have comprehensive studies from Finland, which use like a a health registry, which show that the complication rate for chemical abortion pills is four times higher than that of a surgical abortion. So we have that. 
Another thing that you know a lot of the studies don't look at is the fact that the rules have changed. And as I said before, the FDA has made the rules much more permissive. Uh, you can now, again, up until you know recently, a woman could get a chemical abortion up to 10 weeks gestation. If the pregnancy is later in gestation, that increases the health risks. Uh, during the pandemic, it was possible to obtain a chemical abortion pill without an in-person medical examination. The Biden administration, FDA, extended that. I think that's just terrible public health. Yeah. Uh, if a woman yeah. has an ectopic pregnancy and obtains a chemical abortion pill, that could be fatal. If she's further along in gestation than she realizes and obtains a chemical abortion pill, that could have some very serious health consequences. So a lot of the studies that they're citing don't really deal with the new regulations that, again, have large basically deregulated chemical abortion pills and I think made them much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is something they, they're going to have to do. They have to get up to speed. The social environment has changed. Um, yep. The rules of the road have changed. Uh, and that has to be taken into account when determining whether these, uh, th- these chemicals can be applied uh, safely for women. Of course, they're not, never applied safely for the unborn. Uh, so how long how long do you think this thing goes on before it finally gets a, de- a determination by the Supreme Court? Well, right now we have kind of conflicting judicial rulings. Uh, that there is a you know federal district court in Washington State that has kind of upheld the legality of chemical abortion pills, and you have the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeal that's put some of the old rules and regulations back in place. Usually, when you get competing kind of federal court rulings. Supreme Court is pretty quick to come in and adjudicate that. You know, you don't want kind of contradictory legal rulings. You know, you want a consistent legal ruling. Right. So right. I can't give you an exact day or time, but I, I do think the Supreme Court's going to move on this pretty pretty quickly. Okay, so the, there's there's motivation. Uh, you think there's motivation? I I would agree. It seems to me that they would want to make sure um, this gets resolved. Um, any any sense from uh, what you know about the justices? Uh, how they would uh, rule on this type of case. You know, it's hard to predict, you know, how the Supreme Court will rule, but, you know, obviously the one big data point we have is the Dobbs decision. Yeah, yeah. And we did get, you know, five Supreme Court judges to overturn Roe v. Wade and did so, you know, very strongly. And even a sixth judge, John Roberts, who, while not going to overturn Roe v. Wade, did vote to uphold the 15-week abortion limit that Mississippi passed. So, Mm -hmm. again, I think that what I would recommend people do is to really read the legal briefs that were put together by Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, They're very well done, very, I think, easy to read. I think make very strong, compelling arguments that, one, FDA approval of the chemical abortion drug should have never happened in the first place. I mean, that went on a fast-track approval that's typically only allowed for, like, Life-saving drugs. Yeah, um, you know, pregnancy is not typically a life-threatening condition for most women. Right. Um, again, they also had very good evidence suggesting that the, about the health risks. I mean, the Charlotte Lowe's Institute, the uh, you know, think tank I work for, we just did a study in a peer-reviewed journal uh, that showed that the you know hospitalization rate um, due to chemical abortions has increased by like 500 percent between yeah. 2002 and 2015. Uh, there's also increased in the hospitalizations for surgical abortions, but it wasn't nearly as high. So again, I think those briefs are you know very well done, very well written. You know, make a very strong case that one, chemical abortion drugs are dangerous, and that the approval should really never been approved. They should have never really been approved in the first place. Yeah, the the study that the Charlotte Lazare Institute conducted, and in which was published in a peer-reviewed journal, analyzed state Medicaid data of over 400,000 abortions from 17 states that fund elective abortions through Medicaid. That's, that's quite a big sample, isn't it? 
Yeah, that was a, a well-done study. I'm not just saying that because I'm you know, affiliated <laughs> with a think tank. It wasn't uh, right. my study. I'm not the one who wrote it. But you know, they did you know, get comprehensive Medicaid data from those 17 states that do, in fact, uh, you know, cover elective abortions through their Medicaid programs. And you know, when you get that kind of data, they do track what happens. And again, they did find that the hospitalization rates were dramatically increasing. You know, again, you saw a 500% increase between 2002 and 2015. So, you know, again, a well-done study that, you know, went through the peer review process and had an outside team of academics agree that was solid scholarship and mm-hmm. deserved to be published. Well, so, so how does, uh, you know, somebody like the Allen Guttmacher Institute re- respond to this kind of study? I mean, they just are very good at uh, kind of recycling a lot of older studies uh, you know, back when, you know, chemical abortion pills, you know, were somewhat better regulated mm, and okay. you had to have more in-person visits and they were available kind of only, you know, earlier in, in gestation. You know, again, uh, keep in mind, I mean, a lot of the studies, you know, that, uh, you know, typically other side sites, you know, these are studies that are, you know, written by people sympathetic to legal abortion. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're published in journals where the editors are sympathetic to legal abortion. You know, very often what I've found is that if you actually read the study, not the spin, you know, not what the PR folks are saying, but you read the actual study, you know, you find the results are actually a little bit different than, you know, how, what they're being advertised. So, you know, again, I think that a lot of the studies you see cited by Guttmacher and the New York Times, these are kind of older studies that just don't reflect the current reality yeah. of the legality of chemical abortion pills. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. It's very good to keep in mind that those older studies are not uh, taking into account the new environment in which uh, these pills are being used. Michael, thank you so much. How do people stay in touch with you? Sure. The best way to stay in touch with me is my Twitter account. Uh, I have commentary on sanctity of life issues almost every day. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Michael underscore J underscore new. That's at Michael underscore J underscore new, N-E-W. Very good. Michael, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Dr. Michael New, uh, again, really on top of these things. He does a fantastic job. I did want to take a moment, though. Uh, I know we've mentioned this before uh, on Chris in the Afternoon, but I wanted to make a special uh, appeal. Uh, You may know that uh, pro-life activists, uh, Father Fidelis, uh, Matthew Connolly, Dr. Monica Miller, Laura Gies, are currently locked up in Oakland County Jail uh, because of participating uh, in the Red Rose Rescue there. They were charged with the trespass into an abortion facility because they went in trying to convince the mothers inside to choose life for their babies. Now, you really have to understand uh, these are not howlers and screamers. Uh, These are people who are seeking to be very effective persuaders. uh, They rely on uh, you know the the facts they they will serve sentences now ranging from forty five to ninety days. Some were sentenced to more, but their sentences will be served concurrently. Now there are three ways that you can send these incarcerated pro lifers uh, mail, and we will have all that information available for you uh, at Christ in the afternoon. Go to AveMariaRadio.net. That's AveMariaRadio.net. And we will have uh, current information, again, in the Cresta guest archives and perhaps even in the slider. That hasn't been decided yet, up in the upper left-hand corner of the homepage. But something to keep in mind 
you can't send mail directly to the Oakland County Jail. Okay? And um, Father Fidelis's legal name, by the way, is Christopher Mosinski. So you have to address him by that name, Christopher Mosinski, M-O-S-C-I-N-S-K-I. And then there's a, an address in Seminole, Florida. It's Post Office Box 9103, Seminole, Florida. And that's where you have to send it in order for it to get to the Oakland County Jail. I know it kind of seems counterintuitive, but I want to talk to somebody in the Oakland County Jail in Michigan. So what I have to do is send them a letter um, through Seminole, Florida. But that's that's the way it is. And so I would, again, urge you to give them give them encouragement. The, the point of rescue like this is not political protest. I have to say this over and over again. This is a direct action that is intended to help save particular babies that are scheduled for abortion on particular days. And this is the reason why these are, in some ways, very low-key operations. They don't want to distract from the work they're doing there. Um, They quietly enter the clinic, they sit, they have a red rose available, and they, again, offer abortion alternatives to women. And, in fact, women do change their mind. So I want to make sure you realize this is not a a futile effort. It does bear great fruit. Lives are saved as a result of it. So more information on how to communicate with the Red Rose Rescuers who are now prisoners of conscience in the Oakland County Jail. We'll have more for you at AveMariaRadio.net. Go to the Cresta Guest Archives or look at the slider. Try up the information there as well. I'm Al Cresta. 